Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. And one of the things we talk about is if we don't give effort, if we're not recognized for effort at University of Oklahoma, then I'm a con man and they're a fraud. All right, guys, welcome to the Oklahoma Breakdown Podcast, brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. I'm your host, Kamir Marabi, and joined by my co-host right next to me is Jack Shields. You guys can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anywhere you guys can pretty much get a podcast, go ahead and give us a five-star review because, you know, it's the season of just giving five-star reviews. It's, there's no really time for that, but it's always the season for five-star reviews. Wouldn't you say so? I would say so. Yeah, I think that's fair. And then the Super Bowl weekend, this weekend. There we go. Season for five-star reviews. Just that simple. But how are you doing, Jack? It's Tuesday. I'm doing pretty good. I'm uh, hoping the rain doesn't start freezing outside. God, and- man impacting the drive home but other than that pretty good went to uh saw trey young at the peak friday night how was that pretty great he got a great reception he played really well but the thunder won comfortably so everybody wins essentially yeah then uh saturday saw the sooners at the peak pretty quick turnaround for the event staff (laughs) then uh the quality of basketball is oh god it was everything about it was just such a buzzkill after the night before (laughs) I mean, just yep. from you're watching guys miss shots and dribble off their feet and stuff like that, and then the crowd is sort of half into it and half full, and it's it's just it's it's a bit of a buzzkill. But down the stretch in the second half, crowd got into it. It was fun. Team played well at times and played awful at other times. It's kind of the story of OU basketball season. But yeah, I mean, it's so strange. We'll talk about that later. But it's just like it's it's kind of odd. But uh, do you have any plans for watching the Super Bowl? Like anything special? I'm uh, doing a chili cook-off. My uh, girlfriend and I are going to a thing that her dad and his friends are throwing, and we're each entering a chili into this cook-off during okay. the Super Bowl. Yeah. I'm kind of pumped about it. Sounds good. Yeah. Ooh, big question. I've got big plans for it. Important question, too. going to tinker with it. Because What's up? some people, this is like a legitimate argument, is there... Are there, excuse me, are there beans in your chili? No, fuck no. Not in Oklahoma. Wow, really? Or Texas. T- Texas and Oklahoma, you're not supposed to do beans in the chili. That's a regional thing. I've always done beans in chili. I'm not at, I'm just, I just don't like beans in general anyway, so. Usually if someone puts beans in their chili, I work around them, but I don't have it. I don't have like an issue with them, but I mean, <laughs> I feel like in Texas and Oklahoma in this region, typically you're not going to see beans in chili. Why, why the hate towards beans in chili? I don't, I'm not a fan of it. It's a texture thing. But wouldn't just 
that McChili meat soup. That's fine. Meat's delicious. <laughs> and you don't have to only put meat in it. You put peppers and stuff peppers, like that yeah. in it. Like I uh I mix it up a little bit. I usually put like a can of bloody berry mix in it. Oh, give okay. it a little bit of tang. Nice. Yeah. Fantastic. You gotta mess around with it a little bit. Like you make a chili paste and stuff like that with different mm. chilies. Sometimes I'll pour a Guinness in there for like a little bit of that chocolatey flavor. Yeah. Oh, I mess around with it a little bit. Yeah, you know, I'm just so used to Got some tricks. Literally the only chili I've ever really eaten is my mother's chili. And she's always used beans. That's fine. The way it's raised. There you go. It's interesting. Isn't she from Arkansas though? Uh yeah, but most most of my most of my family's from Arkansas, yeah. Okay. Maybe it's different in Arkansas, so I don't know. It, I would imagine it's the same though. You would but think. Whatever. You would think. But anyways, uh plenty of talked about today, talking about new coaches. Some recruiting and maybe along the lines of you know who might be coaching that unit. Uh, looking at the Super Bowl, uh, Sooners guys that are in there, guys that are from Norman. Some basketball talk. You know, we'll talk a little about Kobe Bryant. We'll talk about OU basketball, and then we have some fantastic Twitter questions from you guys. Really appreciate you guys for sending those in. But first things first, Demarco Murray seemingly coming back home where he started his. Uh, upward echelon or upward, upward trajectory, trajectory into the public consciousness into, into the Dallas Cowboy lore and then he said never mind I don't I want to be paid more and then that's kind of where the career ended really I feel like he went he had a he had a stint with like the Titans and then he had a, like a 1300 yard season with the Titans and then his and the second Eagles. year he sort of like dropped off with the Titans and Derrick Henry started ascending yep. and he sort of was like ah, eh, I'd like to not uh suffer like more concussions or more injuries yep. or anything like that retired around the age of 30 that's no one can blame him for that and then I, he went into broadcasting and i forgot then into coaching i forgot he even did broadcast he did for a year yeah with fox sports he was he was okay he sometimes he seemed pretty good sometimes his delivery was a little off but it i mean it was he was inexperienced with it so you couldn't really blame him but he always like when he looked in the when you look at him in the pros in comparison to college, he looked so much more jacked in the pros. Oh god, than he, ever he did in college. see that started his senior year at OU. He changed his running style and changed his body. He became more of a power back hmm. at that stage in his career, and well, that, that was a business decision, and it was the correct business decision, obviously. Definitely with the Cowboys, he was less more finesse than, and then he was running guys over and then also running around them too, but. It seemed like for a, a while, and we talked about this. It's like, hey, what are you, what are you hearing about? You know, the guys, coaches, offensively, uh, defensively, and really, it's the same story on both ends. But we're just talking about Dark Murray right now, which is like he's literally the only name I keep on hearing and I keep on seeing. And if if that's the only name that you consistently hear and that doesn't change at all, usually there's a story there. And, of course, the one of the beat writers from Arizona, I'm forgetting his name right now, he let it go. He's uh, with their 24-7 site. Yes, he let, he let that information, Wildcat Authority, I believe. information go over the weekend, and it was pretty much all but good, all but clear that, yeah, he was going to come back and be in Oklahoma. And how do you, how do you feel about him possibly learning on the job because you look that's at, what it's that's what it's going to be because he only has one year of coaching under his belt at this point and you look at kale gundy and this is a man that has recruited some of the best running backs including demarco in the country 
and he's one of the best running back coaches and recruiters in, like that's that's been in this modern era of college football quite frankly i mean like you look at how many running backs and what running backs have been through his his running back room and you would say holy shit you know demarco murray and adrian peterson joe mixon themselves it's like okay like that's that's enough evidence for me to say you know what you know what you're doing of course and kel gundy uh there's there's mixed there's mixed kind of reviews as far as what is happening with him regarding oh did he want to go to back to running backs coach or was it him just saying i'll coach running backs if you need me to because it seems like um that last inch of learning the offense of a spread offense is becoming an inside receivers coach you look at a lot of different coaches in the big 12 dana holgerson uh formerly Anyways, and you look at a lot of other guys in that spread offense, and the inside receivers coach for some reason is the last position that is that on to be learned in that offense before they become like an offensive coordinator officially or a head coach. So Gundy not back to running backs. I don't know if he's ever going to be an offensive coordinator. I don't know if he's just comfortable being co-offensive coordinator. I think he wants to call plays. That's that's the word on the street, and you wouldn't blame him either. I mean, at the same time, he's always sort of felt comfortable where he's at. Right. That's been his situation at OU for the past, you know, 15, 20 years. Yeah. He seems like a guy who just enjoys being where he is. But at the same time, you wouldn't blame him for wanting a new challenge yeah. and having higher aspirations. And he's someone who would deserve it as well. He has paid his dues as much as anyone. And somebody would 100% give him a shot. Oh, of course. Like, why wouldn't they? So... I mean, DeMarco Murray, he's he's learning on the job. It's just, He literally had his first year of coaching at Arizona this past year. I mean, and as a team that has, like, really high aspirations of, like, all right, the blue chip ratio is there. The offense is going to be the offense, which is going to go back to, like, Kyler, Baker, not necessarily efficiency because Spencer Rattler is a richer freshman, but definitely expl- as far as in terms of explosiveness – Definitely going to be there. And you have a guy learning on the job where you need staff members all pulling their weight, knowing what they're doing, uh, coming into work and clocking in and clocking out. So you feel comfortable with this signing, do you think? I, I have mixed review, mixed feelings about it. One thing, obviously running back recruiting has gone downhill over the past few years. And it seems to me like they did this in order to make a splash in the living rooms of prospective running backs because they felt that that was something they needed at the moment. Kamara Wheaton, twenty twenty one, baby. There, he's already. Yeah, see, he's already visiting him. He's the number one running back, number six player in the nation, I believe. Very good, and you know, having a guy like Murray, who was quite recently the NFL rushing champ with the Dallas Cowboys, having that guy go into into living rooms of elite running backs in the state of Texas, that's going to hold some weight. So from that standpoint, it makes a bit of sense. So I'm willing to see where it goes, obviously. I mean, I feel like it's a gamble that if it pays off, will pay off quite well. Yeah, I think think it's purely a, a... A re- recruiting move. I mean, people will tell you uh, that that he got Arizona into the living rooms uh, and houses of people from around the state that they hadn't before, just because he was Demarco Murray, of course. But he 
And, and from, it's not easy to recruit people to Tucson. Have you been to Tucson? Yeah. It sucks. It's it's Tempe is much better yeah, than Tucson. I would agree it's, with that. it's tough to get kids from California to come to Tucson. But at the same time, it's just that you look at it and the, the they, what they say from Arizona is that people and coaches that what they've said is that it's not like he walked into these living rooms and was like, "Oh, I'm Demarco Murray. You need to listen to me." Like I was in the NFL. I had a really successful career. And I had a really successful career at Oklahoma, too. Uh, he didn't walk in with like a lot of swagger as much as he was just very humble. Uh, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. At the same time, like, I don't know, like, would you, wouldn't, would you big time some somebody? You, some you would give a tinge of that, I would think. But if you went, you know, fully in that direction, it would come off as kind of cocky, wouldn't you yeah, say? Yeah, I, 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 but I think that somebody, would That would put a lot of parents off, I, I think. I think some people gravitate towards that. Some do, but I think, like I said, give a tinge of that. Yeah. Don't go higher. overboard with it. And I was like, I was doing some research over, like, you know, what people thought about him, his, his kids, as far as uh, the running back room in Arizona, and then also... I just want to see what it looked like maybe coaching because you know how like every program now has like, oh, so-and-so is mic'd up for this practice. So I said, let me see what mic'd up DeMarco Murray sounds like, even though like they know they're mic'd up so they might actually police themselves. Uh, you would never want Mike Leach or Mark Mangino mic'd up, of course by not. the way. Actually, you would want Mike Leach mic'd up. Mark Mangino, probably not so much. Um, but we saw what happened when he was mic'd up. He he was uh, he got in a little bit of trouble. Gosh, yeah, a little bit. Uh, and just looking at video, and he seems—it's weird to say—he he seems like a genuine guy. But the thing that stood out to me was that this man is clearly more buff, athletic, and probably still faster than almost all the running backs at Arizona. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I like looking at the video. I was like, oh my, like this man is not wearing a regular shirt like everybody else. He's like Benny Wiley's over there in, in, in sweats. And this man's wearing basically like a compression shirt at practice. And you're like, come on, come on, man. Like, <laughs> let these, like, these kids, like, what, what's, what's your end goal here? Like, are you just like trying to be comfortable? Are you trying to intimidate these kids? Are you trying to show kids what an NFL body looks like? Because this guy was clearly more athletic than anybody on that team as the coach. It's pretty incredible. That that hopefully <laughs> that wouldn't always be the case at Oklahoma. Granted, right. he's still going to look more athletic than a lot of the running backs Oklahoma brings in. Right. He's probably as gonna, right now. Yeah. He's going to look more pro ready than a Kennedy Brooks. I would say. I would definitely say that. But uh, hopefully, he brings in a guy like Wheaton who Seth McGowan looks real Seth good. Seth McGowan looks he's a little Rodney Andersonish. He's big, he's a man. big kid. Uh, Marcus Majors is going to be another guy, but it's just like. He's got a lot to work with. He's got a lot of talent. He's got a lot of different skill sets. Trey Sermon is so different than Kennedy Brooks. Marcus Major is so different than <laughs> Trey McGowan. Sermon and Seth McGowan. They have so many different skill sets. And it makes me think this is a move purely about recruiting. What's going on, Jay Bowler? He's back at his alma mater from Texas. I didn't know he went to Texas until like he made the move. Yeah. What's the say about Jay Bowler's tenure at Oklahoma? I thought, and we talked about this before. You see, OU's running back room, it was it was never bad in the, over the last few years. Oklahoma's I mean, running back room will never be bad. But, I mean, you had Trey Sermon, you had Kennedy Brooks. Those guys are really good. But they're not Samaj P. Ryan or Joe Mixon. Yeah. 
and you're wanting to go back to getting those guys. And you know, OU was in a you know theoretically in a good position to at the beginning of his recruitment get Noah Kane. Yep, he couldn't really. They had Jalen Knighton and said, never mind. Yeah, and then, you know, you let Jace McClellan slip away. Yeah, and you had this man for two and a half years. Of course. And so, as you were telling me, that he was probably going to have one more year. Yeah. And I'd, would be coaching for his job. From what I was told. And so he decided to get out of Dodge. Definitely hot seat, and it would have been 100% like very shocking if he would be back after next year and then uh, to me, it was on a timeline just a year early. But at the same time, like I talked to people that said, nah, he was going to be gone this year. So regardless, this man's seat was very, very hot. Um, and so, I mean, it tells us, like, hey, you know what? You had this man in the back for three years, basically, and you lose him last week for the first National Signing Day period? Like, come on, man. And, of course, the production, everybody like would harp on the production of it. Like, Jay Bower and special teams unit, like, Special teams unit back here reverted back to just fair catch the ball, and it wasn't anything special. So we'll see what let's we'll see what Demarco Murray brings. It's just people essentially these this this time of year wait for coaching hires just so they can complain about coaching hires. Of course, but I feel like with Demarco Murray, former Sooner and all his glory. If he was healthy for the 2008 national title, OU probably wins that game. OU absolutely wins that game. He and Percy Harvin were both questionable yep. entering game and week. Percy played. Harvin played. Murray didn't. Harvin was a step faster than everyone oh, on the yes, field, and that was the difference in the game. Yep. And and so and people would love former Sooners, of course. Especially, and he's one of the favorites of the last 20 years yeah, too. He's elite, one of my favorite Sooners, elite former Sooners, like. People looked at Cal- and isn't it interesting? People look at Calvin Thibodeau like, oh, but he like he's from Kansas and he, he did this. And he didn't. He's it's Kansas, even though like he recruited a one hell of a defensive line that kind of wrecked of OU's offensive line and coached him up really well at Kansas. But but you know we don't. It's a Stoops guy. Like we don't want to hire. And then you look at a Demarco Murray who has no coaching experience whatsoever, except like one year in Arizona. And he spent the rest of his time in the NFL, and people were like, well, look, it's DeMarco Murray. It's like, okay. He hasn't shown his chips in recruiting. You're hoping it's going to pay off. He wears nice suits and, you know, gets – he's not the one getting spray tanned, but, like, he's he's a guy that's always out there, but it's like – I think that dynamic is interesting. And then you flip to the defensive side of the ball, and then the name that everybody is mentioning in the name that – consistently comes up and the name that a very mean, cool name too yeah very cool name a name that consistently comes up just because of their relationship to alex grinch is coach cool uh, uh Kuligowski, who's right now the co-defensive coordinator at toledo and he honestly he spent his early years at toledo too he spent many years though 15 years uh, of his career with pinkle and the guys and the odoms at mizzou 15 years knows grinch there Spent one year at Alabama before they purged the staff, and that was the year that Oklahoma went up against Alabama and first got crushed with Quinn and Williams and then came back and then couldn't get a stop. And then Alabama just got roughed up in the national title game, and that staff was purged, and the staff, the entire staff basically left. And then he spent two more years at Miami, and then now he's back at Toledo. and uh, Or he spent one year at Miami, I can't remember. And... Um, it just makes sense, but there are other names out there. Um, 
how would you feel about Coach Cool being at OU just because A, his track record, B... He coached some beasts at Missouri. Oh, he definitely did. Big time. Guy, NFL guys. And that, that's the first thing that like, pops out, right? Like, it's Mizzou, and he's like coaching some real guys from Mizzou. And 15 years at Missouri during their early years in the Big 12, I mean, like, the Big 12 should be very comfortable. He should be very, very understanding and comfortable of the landscape of the Big 12, um, but as well as the SEC. And then it's just looking at him. I love Ruffin McNeil. He's a nice guy. The players absolutely love Ruffin McNeil. His, like, his, they call him Sheepdog. I think it's kind of odd, but maybe I don't I I don't know why. Maybe I'm missing something there. Uh but they call him Sheepdog and um it was necessary for him to leave the program. He's stepping away. Uh he says not permanently, but temporarily. Stepping and, away from Oklahoma though, permanently. Yeah, from from Oklahoma. And I'm just gonna be very honest. They're cutting the dead weight. He's not a Grinch guy either. <clears throat> yeah, Ruffin's not a Grinch guy. He's a Kuligowski Lincoln guy. Kuligowski would be a Grinch guy. And I thought I thought Ruffin would be gone after year one. And he's still now. Is he still here? Or he's still he's gone now. But I thought Ruffin would be a one year holdover for Lincoln Rally to understand the ropes of becoming a head coach. And then Lincoln totally took a shift to like toward the dark side of not doing things Bob Stoops has done this year. And this is behind the scenes. Like Lincoln basically is saying, you know what? I'm not doing Bob. I'm not, I'm not Bob. I'm not playing by Bob's rules. And Lincoln is doing his own thing and making Oklahoma his, which is fantastic. Um, you'll see more things in the future that you'll see from talking about, but he's becoming much more aggressive and laser, laser focused on getting that title. And it's like guys like Jay Bowler where that's like, you know what? You're not a part of the staff moving forward. It's not going to work out. And, Ruffin McNeil, Ruffin knew, everybody knew, um, and the man, he if he's not out there coaching really hard in practice, and he wasn't even at every practice, he's not even recruiting, like, well, what's your purpose on staff? You're, you're taking a position, Alabama has like a million guys on their staff, and you are like a legitimate position coach, and you're not really recruiting guys, you're like the Papa figure, but we don't need Papa figures, we need guys to get elite talent. I mean, the Sooners need guys to get elite talent to coach that talent to be even better. And so it makes sense. And again, the players love Ruffin McNeil, but cutting dead weight was so necessary. Like Jackie Ship, you know? Someone who had accomplished a lot in his past, but and he was really things were getting at, stale. He was, And Jackie Ship was really good at OU early yeah. on, but then he started taking... Got Tommy Harris, got Demarcus Granger, got Gerald McCoy, but then it got stale. So you have to make a move. He also started like taking recruiting trips and actually not going on recruiting trips and like having affairs. That was kind of odd. <laughs> yeah. A little bit. <sighs> Isn't Jackie ship still at Arizona state now or did he, did he, did Ooh. he move on from there? I'm not sure. I'll have to check that out. That's a good question, but, but yeah, it, it makes sense. But honestly, the name I hear consistently on defense is Kuligowski, but who knows? Um, I mean, I'm just saying that because DeMarco Murray, that was the only name that was being said. And then, like, lo and behold, DeMarco Murray was named. Ship is on Jay Norvell's staff at Nevada. Okay. that's That makes sense. That does make a lot of sense. They're getting it going there. Good for Norvell. Yeah, Norvell, his cigars. 
can't evaluate a receiver, but damn, he can, he can smoke a cigar. Of course he can. He's a likable guy, too. I hope he, he does well. He seems like a very nice guy, a very genuine guy. But let's talk about the defensive line in reference to Ruffin McNeil and maybe a future position coach. Really, honestly, National Signing Day 2, they've got Reggie Grimes, who will sign with the Sooners 100%. They're 100% confident in him signing with the Sooners for a reason. Um <laughs> We won't go into that right now, but won't, we know a thing. Won't go into that, but like, there's a reason why people are 100% sure he will sign with the Sooners, and the Sooners are very comfortable with whatever he does there. Um, but Alfred Collins is really the only guy left because Oklahoma hosted Dre Butler, who's another Juco guy, numbers, I think the number seven Juco product, but the top defensive end guy. And uh, it was going to be a battle between OU and Auburn, and he committed to Auburn actually right after his OU visit, which is like, man, that kind of hurts. Yeah, and Auburn, of course, has the recent track record of sending guys of to the NFL, which Oklahoma, that's the uphill battle they face even with Alex Grinch. They don't have that recent track record to yeah. sell, and that's you can't really blame a kid for making that decision either. So and it's it's going to be tough. Neville but. Gallimore will go in the first three rounds. Yeah, that'll help. But you you got to develop that, and it's just the, the name that is in everybody's minds right now for recruiting – especially down south, Alfred Collins. It looks like a 100% battle between OU and Texas. And the Alabama hat will be on the table. And if you ask a Texas person or you ask an Alabama person, they'll say, oh, it's definitely between Alabama and Texas. So, like, you you aren't really even that sure where OU's at in this battle. I just know Lincoln Riley and them, they are going to have the last visit with him. And... I don't think the Collins family is a family that they want in-home visits. Uh, they prefer to go somewhere else in public and like have a dinner or something. I don't know how that how I mean, everybody's different. And so we'll see what happens, if, especially if it is the last visit. But, man, if Oklahoma misses out on Dre Butler, as they did, and they also miss out on Alfred Collins, you start, you start to be not really curious, but concerned is a better word for that. Depth is going to continue to be an issue. Yeah, 100%. 2021 is going to be vital, to say the least, because two of your biggest contributors that are coming in this year are JUCO guys. So, obviously, future depth is going to be a concern, and immediate depth. I mean, Corey Roberson is going to be there. Stripling. Marcus Stripling. Um, Redmond's still a young guy. Redmond's there. Jordan Kelly was gonna was seen to be a guy that would be a heavy contributor this year, uh, this past year, but of course, see toward the ACL. They uh, still expect him to be a big contributor. Oh, he will. Forward, he'll so. probably start. Maybe uh, it just depends on what happens with Perry and Winfrey. I mean, Perry Winfrey's number eight, so they don't give num- they don't give singular digit numbers to defensive linemen unless you're a boss. Unless you're actually good. So I wouldn't be surprised. Oklahoma, like <laughs> Callum Sutherland. Is gone. Now is gone. Goodbye. Okay. So Oklahoma, I think, sits at 82, 83, 82 scholarship players, I believe. So they still have some room for grad transfers. And they're still testing the market for grad transfers. And I would not be surprised if Oklahoma went more grad transfer here. So right now, Alex Grinch is purging the defense. Like, have you ever seen the movie The Purge? It's very similar to what Alex Grinch is doing Cersei's on the defensive in it, side right? of the ball. Yeah. Yeah. If you... It's very similar to what Alex Grinch is doing on this side of the ball where they're essentially just lining kids up out of the door and being like, hey, listen, sorry, it's not going to work. You're not going to get playing time here. 
go somewhere you can get actually get playing time. You don't fit what we're doing. Bye, adios, amigo. And now you're running into a kind of a depth issue. And Oklahoma's filling that one to two year gap with JUCO guys that they're a one to two year gap guy. So if they work out, fantastic, wonderful. You have them for two years when you get your guys in. If you don't have them, fantastic. You can phase them out in one more year, and then you hire. And then you you don't hire. That's this is not the SEC. You recruit other uh, kids to come in to fill those gaps after that singular digit year of those recruits not working out. And there's so many grad transfers on the market. And is there is is the transfer portal? Do you think that's good or bad for college football? It's good. What do you th- why? What do you th- why would it not be? Let them move freely. Do you think it's kind of created a free agency within the NCAA? Good, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, that's it's it's only good for the players, and I'm completely pro player here. No, that's fair, and I think I think, I mean, I think in essence, it's good, right? Mm-hmm. I think it has negative effects. I think that, and I don't mean like on the game of football, and I don't think I don't mean on the universities. And this is actually something that Alan Kenny. Uh, talked about with Feldman mm-hmm. in their podcast. Or Felder. Which, uh, Felder, excuse me. Uh, and um, it was a great podcast, so if you guys haven't listened to it, go ahead. But this is something that they mentioned is that, A, it's fantastic for players, especially if they're not going to get an opportunity like a Michael Jones or something like that, yeah. whatever. Fantastic. It, but I think some players are too quick on the trigger to go to the portal, especially if they don't get their way. That's true. And That's on them, though. The grass isn't always greener, as Tate Martell will find out, and other players. Yes, as he will continue to find out. Yeah, God, that guy's a jackass, man. I, <laughs> I can't stand Tate Martell. He could ask my dude. You know, he conti- he he committed to the University of Washington as an eighth grader. Yeah, and then of course he flipped to A and M, and last second he flipped to Ohio State, and then after one year. He went to Miami and then got And he, he talked shit to Justin Fields when he got there. He yeah, was like, yeah, God. you better watch your back. And then he transferred like a week later. Yep. And then yeah. went got, to Miami. He got and, booed at the spring game. Yeah. That's always fun. Tathan. Oh, Tathan. Never go full Tathan. But yeah, I think I think the, the, the transfer portal can be fantastic. Uh, at the same time, I think there are negatives to it, but not because of the game, but because of some players, they just think, oh, there's going to be a landing spot for me. There's going to be a landing spot for me. And then you end up a Prairie View A&M. Like, who, who just, who from OU just went there? As uh, a defensive lineman. Yeah. Regardless. I mean, yeah. you end up at Prairie View A&M instead of wherever else. Or you're A.D. Miller, you're supposed to end up in Illinois, and you end up asking Link, please let me back on staff. Or please let me back as a wide receiver. And for some reason, start over the five-star Wide receivers. A.D. Miller. Don't, I don't. <laughs> that's a connection. That was, that was an academic thing. Why he came back? Yeah. He was going to be. He probably would have been pretty good at Illinois. Yeah, I think he would have been, been. I think he would have been A.D. Miller at yeah. Illinois. A.D. Miller's fine. He's just not up to snuff with what OU wants at receiver. Obviously, I agree. I mean, he's not a five star wide receiver. It's that simple. He's not as talented. Not nearly as talented as other people. Yet he played over them. Whatever. Yeah, but yet, yet he played over them. In, in the Baylor game. In the and ba- then, he made some nice plays in that Baylor game. And then he got benched for Theo Weiss. And, and then Theo Weiss looked like took uh, the, game over. the second coming <laughs> of Sedarian Lamb. Yeah, gosh, so unbelievable. But, hey guys, 
We're about to go to a break for our sponsors. Again, after the break, we'll have you guys talking about the Super Bowl Sooners, talking about basketball, and some of your Twitter questions, and we'll be right back after the break. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. All right, Jack, so this coming weekend, Super Bowl Sunday, you have the Kansas City Chiefs, and you're a Chiefs fan. My chefs. Yeah. Former employee of the chefs and longtime fan, so definitely have a dog in the fight here. Yeah. Plus, we got these three Sooners. Definitely. Yeah, we have Blake Bell, who's a Kansas native, Wichita. Mm-hmm. And then you have James Winchester. Washington, Oklahoma. And then you have Damian Williams, who is like... Be the bell cow of that running back room. Yeah. And then for the 49ers, you have no Sooners, but you do have a guy that went to Norman Hyde right down the street. His dad was the worst uh, assistant oh, coach God. in the history of the program, quite possibly. Freaking Kittle. Isn't that sad? Bob's golf buddy. Uh, <laughs> that, that's, that's very upsetting. But yeah, you have the Kittle family. George Kittle. Uh, Norman Hyde product. I mean, he wasn't highly rated coming out of high school, ends up at Iowa, and he's a now an all-pro tight end for the NFL, and OU took these guys over George Kittle. Leith Harlow, who we talked about before the podcast, he had injury things before he even got to campus, and he was never going to ever play. Brandon Green, who... Juco guy who... Good blocker, but that was it. Yep. I he, he dropped a pass in the end zone in Bedlam. Bedlam yeah. yeah, and then... OU ended up redeeming itself with the uh, fake field goal for the touchdown. Because he caught it, and he looked down at his toes. Yeah. And then some OSU safeties came blew, blew him up, and the ball jarred loose. I remember screaming when that happened. <laughs> I was like, and my friend who was hosting the watch party telling me to quiet down. <laughs> like, it was that was violent just, of a scream. I just didn't understand how that happens. Like, literally, it was in his chest, and, like, I guess they just got underneath Whatever. It's whatever. Uh, Sam Grant, who eventually became... An offensive tackle, I think he got in some games. Yeah, he, he was never like a big contributor no, or anything of like that. But. And then Taylor McNamara, who ended his career at USC after a transfer, who honestly, we talked about this too. Might have been good in Riley's system. I think he would have been great in Riley's system. And like he was, he, how can I, how can we explain this? He's not as finesse as Grant Calcaterra. And maybe not even as finesse as Mark Andrews, but he, he would was, have been okay. He was a much better blocker than Grant, but maybe a little less of a. He's lesser. He than had Mark a major Andrews. case of the drops. I remember. Mm-hmm. But, but Grant had a bit of that too. But you kept throwing it to him, and it McNamara had a hell of a sugar bowl with Trevor Knight. He had like one catch for a first down, didn't he? He had a couple of pretty important catches that he were did. like, "Wow, he actually caught that." Yeah. So and then o- never to be heard from again. Oklahoma took those four tight ends over all pro future NFL Hall of Famer, probably George Kittle tight end. That's an ultimate hindsight's twenty twenty. Of course it is, though. and he was right down the street. Yeah, and of course at this time, Kittle was six foot four, two hundred, not six foot four, two forty five. Exactly, 
and he went to Iowa and became a monster. Same with Charlie Kolar, who's going to go to the NFL. He's from North, Norman North, and he's just killing it at Iowa State. Perfect for that offense. And But at the same time, like, I mean, oh, you had Grant Calcaterra, Austin Stockner, and you had Mark Andrews, so did you really need Kolar? You should, still could offer him. But anyways, looking at this weekend Super Bowl, I mean, it's exciting to see that many Sooners. And, like, man, I really wish it was Baltimore Ravens. So many Ooh. Sooners yeah, on that's that true. team. Plenty I mean, and I know, you're, I know you're a Chiefs fan. I wanted I it like... to be Patrick Mahomes versus Aaron Rodgers in the Super Bowl. Really? That would have been such a sexy matchup. I was Come just, on. It would have been I incredible. really just praying and hoping we were not getting the Titans versus the Packers. Because nobody would tune into that. That's true. Because we've we've seen Baltimore versus the Niners, and that was a very exciting regular season matchup. Like that was back and forth in the rain. That was real fun. And both these teams, that could be real fun again too. And it's just like you look at, especially the Chiefs. If it involves the Chiefs, it will be a fun football game. And it's a ton of Big Twelve talent on that Chiefs. A ton. Like a lot of Big Twelve. Tyree Kill, whether or not, I mean, that's not whether or not, it's just like he definitely made some dumb decisions in his life. And then, of course, Patrick Mahomes, when he was drafted 10th or 11th, is it 10th or 11th? 10th, yeah. When he was drafted, I remember thinking, okay, I wonder. He was taken ahead of Deshaun Watson, and some people raised their eyebrows at that I, one. I, but I, that I was, one, and Deshaun Watson's fantastic, but obviously Mahomes was the right call. Oh, because Mahomes, uh, he's a... System quarterback. I remember but, people saying, "Oh, well, his team was five and seven. Have you have you watched Texas Tech before? That's not Patrick Mahomes' fault." Yeah, and I always remember saying this, and I I've never wavered on it, and I've always caught crap for it. And even when they were in college, I said Patrick Mahomes is a better quarterback than Baker Mayfield. Yeah, I agree. And people might raise their eyebrow and be like, "Oh, oh, oh. like no, Patrick Mahomes is a better quarterback." And not just because, like, I'm not saying just because of the NFL success. I'm just looking at. Who they are as quarterbacks, who they are as athletes. Their skill sets. I mean, I prefer it, Patrick it's, it's Mahomes. Mahomes. Yeah. Uh, just imagine if Mahomes would have been an OU. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's just like you know. We were fine with Baker. Baker yeah, was fantastic. Of course, that's what I'm saying. But man, exciting game this weekend. How many? You, you think that over under one and a half? Norman products slash Sooners two two and a half Ooh. touchdowns being scored. By Norman slash OU products between Kittle, Two and a half? Kittle, Williams, and Blake Bell. Ooh. I I would say over that just because Damian Williams finds the end zone. Okay. I think Damian Williams scores two of his own at least, and then Kittle will probably have one of his own. I think it's fair. I think I think vice versa I, I, too. I, yeah. Man, that's exciting. What a, what a time to be alive. Oh yeah, I love Damian Williams yeah. too. Oh man, like Ramondre Stevenson reminds me so much of Damian. Man, Damian Williams in a Lincoln Riley system, oof, would have been great. Well, here we are. <laughs> but it's just, yeah, man. At least he still does claim OU. I mean, he, he does, does he say does, his does. high school sometimes. Like that's yeah. something that like a lot of people that rubs some people the wrong way when someone from their favorite yeah. school says their high school instead. But you've got to think of the people who are from those communities. Like a kid who lives in that school district, he sees that guy and says, "Hey, I can do what this guy's doing." 
Yeah, it, that, that makes the community so proud. So, I mean, sometimes he says OU, sometimes he says it's high school. I'm completely cool with that. And I think people are more surprised about Damien Williams saying OU just because of how his of course, career ended of course, in Oklahoma. Yeah. And then Bob Soup's allowed him to come back for pro day and all that other yeah, stuff. that but helped. I think people are just surprised because of how the career ended, which, of course, I think I don't think anybody's surprised by that. Yeah. But, yeah. I, think, I am I glad both entities claim each other. Fantastic. Especially at a time like this, because, I mean, OU hasn't always had a ton of big-time success in the Super Bowl with its alumni. I mean, there, there, there are a few instances, but as far as stacking them up with other major programs, OU doesn't have as many things to hang their hat on as far as the Super Bowl is concerned. So if Damian Williams shows out and scores some touchdowns, that's going to be a big deal. Yeah. Let's get into some basketball talk. And, of course, you can't talk about basketball Without the most recent thing that's been everywhere since Sunday uh, in the morning, the passing of Kobe Bryant in a helicopter accident. I, I've never been more jarred by a I thought it was fake. celebrity. Yeah, I thought so too. But I mean, TMZ usually gets those things right. Yeah. So I thought I thought it was fake because like how random. Oh, Kobe Bryant in a helicopter. Yeah. It's like okay, that's. That there's everything about this seems so not right and totally and, fake. I kind of thought it was fake too, just because of the way that the headline was written. It just seemed so flippant. Yeah, that it seemed like something from you know an unreputable source. But I mean, TMZ as much as as much flack as they get, and deservedly so, they usually get these kind of things right. So, and they were the ones really with the most detail. Yeah. In their reporting. Exactly. They did their due diligence. ABC came out and, you know, really screwed up. I mean, that's something that you can't, you yeah. cannot yeah. get incorrect. ABC, and CNN, a lot, of these, a lot of these people came in hot. Yeah. They and were like, more concerned about being first than being right. And I was surprised that TMZ Which, actually. in that situation, you can't do that. Actually held that. And and so, yeah, I mean, Kobe Bryant, he's a, he's a, more than a basketball player, of he's, course. He's a he is a, and it's important to say is he. It's not a was, I and mean, he is a global icon. People that don't even know sports know Kobe Bryant. People like around, like my cousins on the other side of the planet in, in Iran, like on their Instagram stories, they're posting like "Rest in peace for Kobe Bryant." I'm like, this is a global yeah icon that Jordan paved the way for the modern NBA superstar. And Kobe took that and even transcended that into something totally different into paving its way for even more superstars in the of future. Course. And it's so sad because he was giving back so much to the game yeah. post-NBA career. In the community. Like, there's so many in guys. WNBA. And there's Yeah, exactly. And there's so many guys of his stature that give very little back after their careers. I mean, Michael Jordan sort of comes to mind. I, like, I, I love MJ, but he's still kind of... Finding his way. I mean, obviously, it's been lucrative for him since then, yeah. but as far as giving back, it hasn't quite come to fruition or mm -hmm. finding fulfillment not quite coming to fruition. But Kobe was someone who seemed to have his life figured out post-NBA, and that's why it's so crushing. Yeah, and, and like... I mean, he was doing so much for women's basketball. Mm -hmm. He was he was doing so much mentoring young players like Trey Young. He was developing a major relationship with Trey Young training with him in the offseason and stuff like that. I mean, yeah, it's 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 tough. And and I I talked to I talked to my students about this and I said, you know, like 
Michael Jordan, like I'm aware of Michael Jordan. I'm aware of his accomplishments and how great of a player he was. But Michael Jordan was Michael Jordan's my dad's superstar. Yeah, yeah. I, I was I, I was born in '89, so like I was a little kid during his like yeah. his last three championships with the Bulls. I don't remember his early championships. Yeah, it's with like the Bulls. and you didn't see him come up as a as a young kid to a superstar for Michael Jordan. So like Michael Jordan's my dad's superstar. And yeah, then Kobe was our superstar yeah. generation. And like you see his his kind of little mini afro with this goatee wearing number eight, and then eventually he shaves it all off and wears number twenty four, and then of course kids these days their generation is LeBron James, but some still actually claim uh, Kobe Bryant. Which yeah, is the current cool. players in the NBA, it's Kobe Bryant. Yeah, exactly, and, and so I mean it's just he did so much for the game and transcended the game more than Michael Jordan and. Uh, it's just it's just real real sad to see that happen and just very like you said it's jarring yeah. and uh, it shows you a lot about life in general about how like flimsy really all this is and that nothing is really promised and of course like you have all these tributes and especially like the the most recent one I can't remember her name she's a ESPN sports anchor or whatever she, like last night she came on and basically talked about like her experience with Kobe Bryant and like. Was How, it L. Duncan? Was she the one that talked about him being a uh, girl dad? Girl dad. Yeah, yeah, that was really good. Like, like Adam. Rachel Nichols had a really good thing to say too. I was listening to the the, the low post with Zach Lowe, and he did, he was doing a podcast with um, a couple of the L.A. people, specifically Ramona Shel- Shelburne and stuff like that, and Holly Rowe, I believe. And yeah, they were talking about like their experiences with with uh, Kobe Bryant. It's just like. Say what you want about the person, okay? Yeah. There have obviously been dumb things in the past, but okay. Well, it seemed like he was becoming a very good person. Yeah, 100%. And like then you like, see what, what Shaq said tonight on TNT, I believe, and it's just like, man, it's, like he said, you're never going to get to see him grow old. I'm like, so glad that they reconciled their differences. That, yeah, definitely, definitely. Because it was very cold for a while. Like, And you're never going to get to see his Hall of Fame speech. You're not going to get to see... Him like Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, these other guys grow old and talk about the game. And of course, you think about his daughter and his family, and it's just like, man, it's it's, it's sad stuff. Yeah, it's very sad stuff. But um, on that note, talking about you know going into the basketball, um, OU played in the uh, Big Twelve SEC kind of challenge, I guess they call it. Yeah, in, ended in up the, being five and five. Five and five. Yeah, <laughs> that was Texas Tech, man. Tell talk about a hell of a job they're doing without like Culver and all those other guys after should have went after should have winning the national title they blew that thing multiple times uh, this past year and coming back with that squad and still competing with Kentucky at overtime and still like really being a very good program that's some that's a testament to Texas Tech but yeah Chris Beard's fantastic really good. OU plays Mississippi State, and um, man, Mississippi State was hot at the time too. And they and OU got their best player in foul trouble. Yeah, the, he, I, I once he was out three early fouls, and I was like, "This one's over." Well, the thing that went through my mind is if OU blows this game with him having yeah. three fouls this early and having to sit for the rest of the first half. I'm going to be furious, and it nearly happened. Because this man had to sit for like yeah. 15 minutes. And then he had his fourth foul very early in the second half and had to sit for even longer. Yep. And he, I mean, this guy is the truth, by He's the way, good. Perry. I mean, he, he had 20 and 10 games for the 
three games leading up to this game and mm-hmm. was they were all three wins too. One was against Arkansas, which Arkansas is pretty good this year. Yeah. So and OU got out to a sizable lead at at times yeah. like seventeen, and but then like it's like they went cold at the end of the first half, and you're thinking oh they no. kind of like let them hang around a little bit and because then, their offense was getting sort of careless towards the end of the first half. The second half was really just back and forth, and then Mississippi State takes the lead with like a minute or two left with like, and then they just. They come back and have a one-point victory again, and man, it's just Lon Kruger said itself, it best himself, and what they mentioned on the broadcast. Still not really sure what that offense is. I, I I'm still, I, I, I have no clue. They, they have so many good, talented scores on that offense, but their inability to consistently produce Austin is Reese still con- drives me Reese. crazy. <sighs> I don't get it. He he, he goes forty four percent free throw uh, three point shooter to no, he's in the twenties now. He's in the twenties. Yeah, I know, and a lot of it's his shot selection. Oh God, he oof. he's never seen a bad shot. Yeah, it's like, and that's the thing with Kruger's teams. I mean, guys perpetually have the green light, and sometimes that's good, and sometimes it's bad. The sometimes, only person on the team that should have the green light is Christian Doolittle. Yeah, maybe Brady Manning. But Christian Doolittle. Yeah, definitely yeah. Christian Doolittle. And the only other player that should have had the green light in Long Kruger's era is Buddy Heald, and he did. And you know what? He made all of them. Austin Reeves should not have the green light 24 And you, Lon says this in practice. Lon knows, and he lets him know that's a bad shot. Yeah. We should probably not take that. And Austin Reeves in practice is probably saying, okay, that's a bad shot. I shouldn't take that. And then he goes to the games, and he does it anyway. Why? Now, like, the shot against Baylor, that made sense. Oh, getting, yeah. Getting out of Waco, Big Monday, a shot to basically go ahead with not that much time left. That it was makes, a good look, too. And it clinked. And, like, honestly, if you got a little bit more lift on the shot, it, it goes in. Mm-hmm. And it's just, that. okay, that was fine. But, like, it's just some of this, these terrible mid-range and you, shots. And to a degree, you need him to be a bit of an alpha offensively, but yeah. there's a limit. There's a line. It is infuriating at times. And you're just like, why? Why are you doing this to me? Why do you hate us? Like, it's just, man, it drives me crazy. Can we talk about how we stand Alondis Williams, though? Oh, my God. They the were, ultimate they were spark plug. Totally cold. Then he makes that three to three answer and then gets the steal in the breakaway jam. God, he He's won. got some hops, too. He, yeah, he got the three because he had a career high. Or maybe a Sooners high, oh, regardless, career high. Uh, well, what, 15 points? Did he 13 finish? points. Okay. And he makes a three in the corner. He made a couple corner threes that were big, yeah. big shots. And rips the ball, got a steal, and then one hand... He's someone who would have fit in perfectly on a Kelvin Sampson team. Oh yeah, Alondis Williams. Would. He's he's a guy that he's a guy that JUCO he's a JUCO guy that Lon wanted two years ago that panned out. He's playing legitimately well, and like, like him like taking the ball on a breakaway one hander from the hip all the way back to the freaking rim like. I was like, oh, okay. ferocious. Holy crap. Like, yeah, okay, I think they're going to win this one. And they almost dropped it. But they did win. And then, so that's a, that's a good win for you. Because, like, of course. And I'm, I'm going to knock on wood here with Brady Manick. Because, obviously, 
there are reasons to be apprehensive about his confidence moving forward because yeah. sometimes it goes in waves. Oh, gosh. But right now... And he's, he's a junior, man. I know. Right now, though, it feels like he has sort of turned over a new leaf about being hot and cold with his confidence. I guess we'll find out tomorrow. We will we? find out tomorrow. In Manhattan. Oh, you, of course, not allowed to win in Manhattan, so we'll see if it's they will win in spite of that. But yeah, man, it's, it's it doesn't seem weird to say that Brady Manic is a junior... And it feels like he's been here for seven years. Oh, yeah. He's he's like an eighth-year junior. Like, they said on the broadcast, and I was like, wait, hold up. This man's still a junior? And he's not going to the NBA. Well, not, yeah. not right now, but it's just like, wow. And then during the Baylor game, Baylor Barstool asking the OU Barstool account when the last time their basketball team was relevant. Some of, okay. <laughs> I, I, I want to say I like the guys who run the OU Barstool <laughs> Page, I think they they put out some good tweets and some good Instagram content. They're good. A lot of these university barstool, uh, I guess pages on Twitter or Instagram, some of these are run by the biggest fucking morons you will ever see on social. They media. lack self awareness. They compl- the one who, the, the person who runs the Texas one is a dipshit. That's well, Texas, predictably. That's Texas, but yeah. In Baylor, obviously. Similar situation. They said, but, when's the last time your basketball team was relevant? They were in the final four. It's like three. Four three seasons ago. ago. Not that long ago, bro. And then, like, the last thing. And if they don't run into this weird buzzsaw against a team that they beat by 23 earlier in the season, yep. they could have won a natty. Yep. They were good enough to win a natty. And then you look at Baylor, and really the best thing that happened to that school since Dr. Pepper and Chip and Joanna Gaines is Matt Rule. Because there's He's been gone. so many messed up things. Like, we don't need to talk about Dave Bliss. See, yeah, exactly. The Art Brile stuff is Covering so up. glad that it overshadows Dave Bliss stuff. Who covered up a murder. A murder and tried to blame it on him being a drug dealer. And I'm not saying that, like, we're, we are not we are not going to compare, like, the how bad one thing is to another with Bryles and, and Bliss. But it's like, one guy... With the whole rape scandal and situation at Baylor, and then your basketball team, you're forgetting, like you said, he he, he tried, and I, I read, I read so many articles about this. It's just like trying to basically say, oh, he sold drugs, didn't he? Making making this guy out to seem like a bad player or like a bad person because he killed one of his teammates, and then one of the, the teammate had to come forward and confess to it. Bliss was just caught with his pants down. And it's just like, like have, you have you no former self- OU head coach Dave Bliss, by the way. You have no self awareness, no self awareness whatsoever. I just thought that was the funniest thing, and awful, really. But during the broadcast of the Mississippi State game, something that really bugged me, and I got into, I didn't get into a Twitter spat, but other people thought they took they took a. Uh, they took a, what part to it? Uh, they the broadcast mentioned Trey Young as an as an OU legend. Okay, I okay. If this had been uttered a week after he had finished his freshman season, when everyone was all hot and bothered about the OU basketball program, and rightfully so, at that point, that statement would give me pause. But in hindsight, right now, Trey Young. He is a all-star starter. Yeah. He is someone who is an incredible ambassador for this basketball program right now. Yeah. 
He's someone who became a national and international phenomenon by January of his freshman season, even December of his freshman season. Obviously, things went downhill from there with the team. Yeah, there is a, a lot of non But of, co- of course, yeah, but... Do little McGusty. 15, 20 years from now, how many people are going to remember that the team was underwhelming down the stretch and probably didn't deserve to be in the NCAA tournament? That's going to be a footnote. But what be... people will remember is that he was a cultural phenomenon during his freshman year at OU and someone who shortly thereafter became an incredible ambassador for the program, great for the brand. I, I, I think it, it's fine to call him an OU legend, I think. I don't think, I, I really, I, I don't think he's an OU legend. That's like, fine. I, I get that. Like Because the team didn't do well in his lone season, a, and he did poorly down the stretch. The team didn't do well. He, I mean, in that I get it. People I mean, say, people will say like. I just who, think the bottom line is that he is an incredibly positive, oh, of course. person in the of history he of the program. Yeah, He's but, gonna. In, little kids think that Trey Young is the coolest thing in the yeah. world. So imagine how much that's gonna help recruiting in future years as he continues to spread the good word of OU basketball. I just, I just look at it and I say, I mean. Yes, you led the you led the NCAA in assists, and you were very impressive. The team gave up on you. That's fine, whatever. And yeah. it became painful to watch that team down the stretch, especially when they Horrible. made the NCAA tournament over OSU, which was kind of laughable because OSU deserved to get in, and OU did not. I think it's pretty funny though. No, oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> um, but to me, a one and done player is not. A legend. Okay, I get, I get that angle of it. Buddy Heal is a legend at OU. Tisdale's a legend. Tisdale's a legend. Stacy King's a legend. King. Mookie, uh, Blaylock's Mookie Blaylock's a legend. legend. Granted, Mookie was only at OU for about two years. He was a JUCO transfer. Blake Griffin spent two years at OU, and I'm he's still a like, legend. Yeah, maybe he's, he's definitely a legend. legend. You, I don't know about Hollis Price being a legend. He's a house, yeah. He, he's for he's a household for name. old school OU basketball oh, fans. Of course. He he is absolutely a legend. Eduardo Nahara is a legend because uh, I grew up Quanah Swite, Hollis Price, Top Dog, Jabari Brown, yeah. Johnny Gilbert, like Jabari, Jabari Brown smoking that weed, yeah, getting uh, kicked Aaron, off later. Kind of he was the basketball program's Damian Williams, Aaron McGee, he and God. Aaron McGee. Oh man, oh. if Aaron McGee is on that team next year. Obviously, that's a, a stupid hypothetical because obviously he was out of eligibility. But if that team the next year, the team that went to the Elite Eight and was a one seed, Ebby, if that team had Aaron McGee. Yeah, Ebby Raw. Oh, I loved Ebby Raw. Ebby Raw was fantastic. Like Quanis White, who is one of Kelvin Sampson's top assistants at Houston right now. Yeah. Well, he has all the old OU boys running that program. Yeah, he's got his son, Kellen. Hollis. He's and got, well, Hollis is like, he's not technically a coach. He's like director of player development oh, or did something he? like that. Because I know Hollis was he, coaching. He, well, he's, on he's, he's on the support staff okay. right now. Okay. But like, uh, anyway, yeah. There are a few guys in that Houston pipeline who, whenever Kruger moves on, you've got to consider maybe a guy like Kellen Sampson. I think. Oh gosh, uh, he he is getting rave reviews as like a young wunderkind. Man, right I now. still need to get Michael Neal on this. Oh, podcast. we do, we do. He would say he would do it 
and he has. We talked about it for like an He's hour. got some stories. He's got wonderful stories about Kelvin Sampson. He's got wonderful stories about Willie Warren, Tiny Gallon, Jeff. Kimple. I really want to hear about that year with oh, Tiny God. Gallon and TMG <laughs> and Willie Warren. Mason Griffin. Oh man, what a year for OU basketball that was. God, that team should have made the NCAA tournament. Like as far as talent's talent concerned, concerned, but like. Capel, I, I think he was a pretty good X's and O's guy, and he was a good recruiter, but he was not a good ego manager, oh, clearly. It, it was a disaster that season. That was a bigger disaster than the Trey Young year was, as far yeah. as like egos and stuff like that. That was horrible. But, uh, yeah, so I, I, really didn't really, I really don't think Trey Young's a legend. Now, if you would say Oklahoma legend, I'd be like, okay, we've got, we've got legs, because he was a phenomena in high school. Like people knew time, yeah. about him, like going into high school, people said, "Okay, this kid is like special, special." And then it was like a battle between Kentucky, Kansas, and OU, who could throw the most cash at him, Adidas. Um, and um, Adidas didn't win that battle, uh, but um, it's, good old Lon won it, that it, battle. It's, it's, it's yeah, <laughs> <laughs> let's say Lon won that battle, sure. Um, and uh, he goes to OU, really sets the world on. Remember, OU was number one in the polls for a minute. Like, and they had like their second best player is maybe Kadeem Latin on the Trey Young team. Yeah, ooh, probably should have been Doolittle, but it was actually Kadeem. Yeah, me, yeah, yeah, Cam Augusti too. I that year, I would say like Christian James came back in the starting lineup. Oh, he yeah. was when he was actually playing well. He was the second best player on the team. And then, so, like, like down the that. stretch in that year, he and Brady Manick stopped making three-pointers, mm-hmm. and then the bottom fell out. And they were Trey Young then took it upon himself to do everything, and then he struggled, and yep. it was a disaster. And they were number one for a minute. So, like, oh, Oklahoma they weren't, they weren't number one. They no. were ranked highly, though. They were number one or two. They were they were top five, but they were not number one. The, uh, the Buddy Heald team, they were number oh, one yeah. for, like, a week. Yes. After they, uh, Kadeem had that tip in against West Virginia the Saturday after that game at Kansas, and then OU was number one the next week because Kansas lost that weekend. I keep on always thinking like Tayshawn Thomas if he had gone to OU a year later. Oh, dude, he OU he won wins. that appeal OU to wins. be immediately eligible. Yeah. If he, oh, if he's the starting center on that uh, 15-16 team, OU... They win the national title. Well, see, here's the thing. If OU runs into that same Villanova team, it probably doesn't matter. They, but because it, instead of having to shoot outside shots, they got inside I don't. It, it, Villanova missed 14 shots in that entire game. I don't I, I don't think any college basketball team was beating Villanova that day, yeah. no matter what. They did to OU what OU did to them at on their early season. Pretty much, Which yeah. is they just made all their damn three-pointers. Yeah. Both, see, both, it's interesting. Both games had, like, the depth perception dimension. Yeah. In the game in Houston, the seats are so far away. Yeah. That messes with it. At that, uh, they played, uh, I forgot where it was. I think they played in Pearl Harbor. Yeah, they put on a ship. And it, well, it wasn't the ship. But it, it was, was like, a, uh, it was on the base. Yes, and it was an base. old gym where the, uh, the seats were like really high pitched behind the baskets yes. and they were like super close. And Villanova blamed that on their poor shooting. They blamed their poor shooting on that. So I mean, both games had this weird depth perception and, and, dimension. And, like, some people might say that's a cop-out, but that's a very it's real... It's very real, that's yeah. A very real I mean, thing. yeah, both teams have to deal with it, but, I mean, it takes every player out of his, I guess, comfort zone as a shooter, and it's going to impact people differently. Because there are several gyms and for high school players around the, around the state that 
you'll look at more norman is very similar uh where the, there's actually a lower bowl you walk into the these arenas or sports complex where there's like actually the stands are above all the players and the goals come down and so like there's no there, there are no kids on the floor it's it's all a bowl upper bowl around and that and if kids are used to like stands going from the floor to the top and you're seeing the goal in one area here and there's just so there's a wall and there's no background that's what kids are used to and then you go to like a more norman where it's like there's fans all wrapped around there's actually no wall there there's actually a lot of room back there it messes with the, and i've talked to coaches about this coach even coach neil um that now, what does Coach Neal do in Norman? He, so now he's, he now now he's most recently the state championship uh, winner for girls basketball six A. Oh, okay, cool. And his team is loaded full of girls. That's that Norman have, High, correct? Yeah. Okay. That, that team is loaded full of like girls that have D one offers. It's so impressive. Um, but um, it messes with their depth perception. Like teams will come in and like they'll shoot things short because they think they'll think that. Um, They'll, they'll think that the thing is closer than it is or it's further away than it is and then they'll overcorrect and they'll shoot they'll shoot longer so it's like it creates a lot of issues so the teams actually score less when that happens so like that that depth perception that you bring up is so true and this OU team I always thought they'd make the NCAA tournament and honestly you win 18 19 games in the big 12 you'll get to the tournament I think they will I mean obviously oh the big 12 it doesn't carry the same weight this year as it yeah. has the last few years. Win so. your home games. You'll be oh, okay. yeah, yeah, it's going to be tough, though. Like, they're going to have to steal some road games, too, probably. They did at Texas? They did. They should have beaten Iowa State. Iowa State just couldn't miss a shot. But like, And then, obviously, oh, you played horribly, too. But you have to beat Kansas you, State. You ha- oh, of course. They're you have to good. win this game. They're, they're horrible. It, it just sucks that we're not allowed to win up there. <laughs> It's unnerving. It, it it but this is the type of game that yeah. this year they need to win because they've beaten who they've beaten TCU, they've beaten um, oh who else the of course Texas Texas they beat Kansas, Kansas State, State. uh huh and have it's they're only three and three in conference they're three right? and three yeah okay. but uh, they should win this game in Manhattan <laughs> and they they'll they should beat OSU and Norman and on by the time you're listening to this whether it's Tuesday night tomorrow or wednesday on the game tonight because they play wednesday yeah but so, they sh- after this week they should be five and three in big 12 yeah. play which you know I, I think if you know OU in the past i think two years ago they were eight and ten in big 12 play, yep. made the tournament yep. last year they were like eight and ten or seven eleven in big 12 play lost in the first round of the 10 seed west virginia still made the tournament and a lot of that is because of Big wins that they got prior to Big 12 play, and then the Big 12 yeah. strength of schedule and being OU's so... And strength of schedule is great. They played a lot of good teams. Yeah, yeah. And they've, sh- and they've played a lot of, like... They haven't played, like, you know, East Popcorn State, as Bob Soup But would this say. year, based on strength of schedule and stuff like that, oh, they yeah. they might need to go 9-9 nine and nine this year. You think so? I think so. But, but they can do that, I think. Really? They're, they only have really one bad loss since Iowa State. That's pretty much it. That's their only bad loss on the season, like in yeah, general. Because Creighton is a hell of a basketball team. Creighton's really good. Wichita State's really Wichita good. State, Stanford's yeah. pretty good. They beat UCF, who's actually pretty decent. Yeah, they it's, beat UCF, and they uh, Oregon State's not bad. They beat Oregon State. They 
Missouri's horrible. Minnesota. They beat them. They beat Minnesota, which is not a bad team. They beat Mississippi State's going to go down as a decent win. Yeah, and they're going to be a tournament. That's team. like a top fifty uh, Ken Palm yeah. team, and they were like, I think they were right around where OU was in net. So, and they were considered, I think, a first four out prior to that game. So that's going to go down as a decent win yeah. out of conference. So, if they could steal one against a decent team, either at home or on the road, if they can beat someone like a West Virginia. Which there's precedent for that beating good West Virginia yep. teams. Oh, you can do it. I mean, West Virginia can come out flat in a given night if the refs don't give them the benefit of the doubt with the non calls on the fouls and stuff like that with that press. But we'll see how it goes. I, I think they'll make the tournament, though. I bet they end up being like a nine or a ten seed. I agree. Uh, let's move on to some other things. Next year, they'll be much better, though. I do agree. Spencer Rattler videos are online of him going to, you know, these football camps and throwing the ball for kids and also just him throwing fun trick balls. And people are oddly mad about the things he's doing, like jump throwing. Basically things people that, are fucking dorks. People, basically, basically things that Patrick Mahomes is doing. And if you look at his skill sets, I've compared Spencer Rattler to Patrick Mahomes several times. But, like, why, why are you getting angry at him? Running, most people understand that it's just him horsing around, and, and it's fun. Why are you getting? And there's nothing to be angry about. But like occasionally, you know, back. you'll get some baby boomer boomers on social media who get upset about that kind of thing. Well, maybe if he stays off of Twitter and quits pretending like he's a uh, Patrick Mahomes, then maybe he'll uh, do a little better on blah 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 blah. Your like, old it's, person voice it's is just, really good. I think people. <laughs> <laughs> of that generation sort of struggle to realize that it's okay to compartmentalize all of those things. You yeah. can have fun and do things with, while not sacrificing time doing the productive thing. It's, I don't know. It, it, it's irksome. Yeah. And, and, and I have to see it every day. It's fine, but whatever. So he's not going to be able to do that in the game. It's like, it's like, <laughs> no oh, shit. It's like, it's like, geez, like, well, like, let it go. It he's at a children's camp. Yeah. He's having fun. And people bring up QB1, which is like, okay, I get it. Like People are like, he looks like a jerk. Like, Yeah, so does Baker Mayfield, and he yeah. was quite successful. It's like, so was Kyler Murray, and, and that, he was quite that, successful. That's what I'm saying. It's like, if, if I'm looking at it, he's the number one quarterback recruit in the country. The best quarterback high school in level high, in the state in of Arizona school. history. And he's not at all arrogant. He's, yeah, he's going to be arrogant. And I, I think it, to a degree that's productive. I want my quarterback to be arrogant. I don't want a Landry Jones. I don't want a Landry Jones. I don't want a Trevor Knight. And I, I, I really don't want a Landry Jones. And when I talked about Mo, when I talked to Moses Madu talking about Sam Bradford, you know, he said Sam Bradford wasn't wasn't a fiery guy, but like he was a good leader. But yeah. I was like, I really want to get to know Landry Jones as a leader because like, maybe he was like Sam Bradford, but he really didn't seem like a guy that wanted to be a leader. He seemed like a guy that just wanted to be an assassin and throw the ball. And I want my quarterback to be like Baker Mayfield. I want my quarterback to be like Kyler Murray as far as, like, the players follow the attitude of their quarterback, especially Baker And Kyler Mayfield. wasn't necessarily a vocal guy, but he was a guy who carried himself with a lot of confidence. Sometimes cockiness, but that's okay. And Jalen did it, but of course that didn't translate to the field because he doesn't have an arm. But I mean, gosh, I don't want to talk about Jalen, but it's just, I want my quarterback, if you're an Oklahoma Sooner, you want your quarterback to be cocky. You want him to be 
confident in his abilities. You want him to have fun. You want him to be that way because quarterbacks that are like that, that are alpha males, typically uh, they're pretty decent guys. I mean, how many, how many quarterbacks in the NFL are very passive, aggressive, or just very passive? Not many successful ones. Are successful, yeah. Like, Drew Brees, he's like one of them go-getter guys. Like, he's not like Ed Baker Mayfield. He's like one of them go-getter guys. But definitely an alpha guy. He's fantastic. Uh, and just like, look at Tom Brady. Like, do you, do you need to say more about Tom Brady? Patrick Mahomes. Do you need to say more about Patrick Mahomes? You look at these successful guys, then Peyton Manning. Guys that are faces of programs that are arrogant, confident voices of your program. I don't want somebody that's going to just lay back and be a wallflower. Nope. Um, or just read me Bible verses like <laughs> Landry. Or Landry or Tim Tebow. But we got several Twitter questions, and I got my own question, which even before we started recording again, uh, you know, uh, me and Jack were having a good conversation. We, I don't know, we might yell at each other. Who knows? It could be fun. At J underscore Matthews underscore five, they say, is it still safe for me to let my wife get a spray tan? What are your thoughts on this question? Um, I am contractually obligated to say yes to this question because my girlfriend's side hustle is spray tanning. So, yes, it is safe to get a spray tan. I, I love that question, though. That is fantastic. <laughs> and if you need to ask why that question is relevant, you just don't get it, do you? <laughs> you just just don't get it, do you? I mean, it's a fantastic question, and I wonder. I just I just wonder if the current OU players are aware of that situation. You, they have to be, right? <laughs> Surely they are. Like I don't know, Brandon Clay's somewhere unhappy about this. <laughs> Selling coyote. Uh, and DeMarco Murray's back in town, so yeah, spray tan. <laughs> he's got that Las Vegas number. Did that oh, dude, that man. entire situation was that entire Twitter thing was so weird. And that was after, that was so odd. After it was like after the d- dispute, like Brennan Clay like posted a picture of him and like his girl, like basically like they were naked and it was real weird. They weren't like he didn't show anything, but it was like I jumped conclusions and he posted some weird selfie of them like in bed and i'm pretty sure they were both naked and it was so odd <laughs> i was like what is going on and i'm pretty sure 100 that they are not together anymore so too many spray tans for that for that woman uh oh god remember when that happened and people customized their own dallas cowboy jerseys with number 29 and that name was spray tan i don't remember that but god, that's amazing that's- I love Twitter. That was a weird chapter in OU Twitter lore. There have been a lot of ones, and we're going to go into that again here in a little bit. But The next question is from at my ID says Rowdy D. That's interesting, at Rowdy D. Hmm. What does Murray's hire mean for Zach Hansen? Uh, Not who, the drummer from Hansen. Of course. Who has... I was also from Oklahoma. Yep. Tulsa. Who has an on who has on field experience? Who are they targeting to fill Ruffin's spot? So I think we kind of mentioned we went into that. We yeah. mentioned about Ruffin's spot, but what does this mean for Hanson? I mean, he's a support staff guy. Yeah. He was someone who was filling in on the recruiting trail because the NCAA allows you to do that when you're down a coach. So he was filling in in that 
regard. He, I don't think he was really – he is the former tight ends coach at Kansas State. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know but if he's – he was never really up for that. Yeah, I don't know if he's going to be in the long-term plans for OU as a legitimate position coach, but being on staff is just big yeah. for him. I think he's going to go back to being like an analyst or quality yeah. control coach like you said he, earlier. He, he is a offensive analyst at the moment. Yeah. So. Uh, this next one from Sco. What are your expectations for the 2020 season for Baylor with Dave Aranda? And, of course, my favorite one right now, will Chuba's national title predictions for OSU come true? Well, for Baylor, in the short term, they've lost... They've lost a lot, but they're putting together a a hell of a staff. They are. They're putting together a hell of a staff. The future of the program seems very healthy, but short term, they're not going to end up back in Arlington Those pockets run deep. Those Baptist pockets run deep down there in Waco. Like, you're going to get Aranda, uh, Fedora... Keeping McGuire was enormous. McGuire, who's another one that they got? Oh, it was another big one. I can't remember. But they got three guys, three legitimate guys. Josh McGuire is not a good. He, okay, I'm not gonna say he's not a good coach. He's a fantastic coach. He's there for recruiting, though. He's the rainmaker. He's the guy that opens former doors Cedar for you. Hill. Yes, and everybody loves him. He's the guy that opens doors for you. He's the one that got Baylor into the rooms of a lot of people yeah. to get those recruits. Uh, but for Dora, Dave Aranda, it's fantastic. I wonder what Dave Aranda is going to think when he gets to the Big 12 and says, oh, my God, I have one returning starter on defense, and here's Spencer Rattler and Norman. Like, it's going to be a rough time, buddy. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about Chuba? Oh, man, why? Why? Chuba, why? Major Aggie move. They don't ever go full Aggie. Nope. Like, no, he- I, I, it goes without <laughs> saying that that's not realistic. Can they win 10 games? Sure. Could they maybe pull off some upsets? Could they even potentially maybe upset OU? Never rule it out. I've seen crazier things. Granted, typically when both teams are good, OU wins. Do I think they're going to be competing for second in the Big 12? Yes. I think they'll finish second in the Big 12. Yeah, they're going to be good. Uh, That defense still sucks. That offensive line still is great. Defense got better towards the end of the year, though. Jim Knowles, I think, is doing good things. Man. But look, well, look what a Jalen Hurts offense did to that defense. Of course, yeah. And OU's offensive line is just going to be much better this year. And so I don't think yeah, offense it's, in general is good. Like when Lincoln says again at this year's Big 12 Media Days while we're there, and Barry Trammell asks him the same question, uh, do you think you're going to take a dip in production? But when Lincoln says no, this time we'll say, okay, yes, sir, we believe you. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, man, this year is so different. But it's just my thing with OSU – is this. They still don't have the talent across the board to truly compete no, yeah. for a national championship. OU is just getting to the point where their, 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 their window of national championship like winning opportunities is just opening. Yeah. And people don't want to hear that. Like, oh, they've, they've, they've won four out of five, but they're just, they just can't do it. Like, well, yeah, they're just getting there. They haven't had the talent defensively and, to get it done. And, and, and in a or lot of cases, and people will say this, but well, they they could they should have beat Bama if they could get a stop. They could they should have beat Georgia. They sh- they should have done this and that. Yes, elite quarterback play will trump a lot of different things. Um, but when the, all the chips are on the table, things turn out differently. And OU is just now getting the OU doesn't look like Ohio State right now on defense. OU doesn't look like nearly what Clemson looks like on defense. OU doesn't look like, OU doesn't look like what those guys look like on defense. They're getting there. Offensively, they're on par. They're fantastic. They're going to be wonderful. And OU's been whipping that ass against the Cowboys for how many years in a row? And OU doesn't even look like those guys yet. They're getting there. 
And OSU's how far behind? Much, much further behind. You're going to win nine games in the Big 12 in, 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 in this year, or ten games maybe. It'll be fantastic. Spencer Sanders, um, Chuba Hubbard, and Nate, what's the name of the receiver? He escapes me. Tylen Wallace. Tylen Wallace. He's fantastic. Oh, he's great. That is one hell of a trio. That's probably the best trio OSU's had since Josh Fields, the Woods Bros, and Tatum Bell. Fantastic. But you're not, you don't say that. The, you, why? Why? We get to claim another national title from the military academy that you didn't actually That's earn? That's stolen valor. God, yeah. Wow. I, so dumb. So dumb. Um, this one's from Girth Brooks. I, I, he's sent some questions in before. I'm a big fan of that. I like the name. It's uncomfortable, but it's good. Girth Brooks wants to know what are three takeaways from reading Upton Sinclair's The Jungle, which is, if you've ever taken A Push, which is APUS history, you know what that book is. It's talking about American meat packing plants, and really just talks about um, it's a it's it's fiction, but it talks about the day to day lives and like all, how basically messed up these meat packing plants were for the workers and industrialization and stuff like that. And, uh, and how gross the conditions were. But we can say, uh, yeah, the conditions were gross. The food was bad, and it wasn't good for the workers. But let's take a moment to talk about other things that are bad involving food packing and moving and things that are bad for maybe workers, but people in general. What's going on in Wuhan, China? Coronavirus. Yeah. Like, they, I, I've, been, I've been looking it up because, like, at first I was terrified you know yeah it's like oh wow this this is killing people that's not good oh it's spreading and they don't know how it's spreading they literally they still don't know is it germ like of course it's germs but is it is it just like body fluids is it human contact we don't know what it is uh, but like they've confirmed it's from this like exotic meat market in wuhan where they catch wild animals and you can buy the following animals. And this is not all, but you can buy the following. Snake, rat, raccoon, uh, wolf cub, bat. Uh, of course, squid is normal. It's, it's a, That's calamari. It's calamari, but um, deer, baby deer. Deer is pretty normal. Yeah, it's pretty normal. Maybe not baby deer, but... Um, and you, you can buy several things there. The thing is you can buy them hot. And yeah, and that's, and that's another thing is like... You can have it to go, and it's like a, and they they call it like a warm. You can buy a warm meal, and what they mean is you're not gonna eat it right away, but literally they'll take the animal out of the cage, they will kill it, and they will give it to you still warm, um, which is so unsanitary. Of course, it causes virus, as you know, and um, you know, coronavirus is found in snakes. They, I, yeah. Is it from his knee? <laughs> if I had to guess, it's, I'd say it's his knee. Yeah, it's a water boy reference. But it's just, um, man, that's terrifying. Yeah. Two people getting tested in Oklahoma City yesterday. Doesn't, no doesn't mean they're positive. But it means I need to know the names of those people. Yeah, and stay away from them. And stay away, because, of course, they're not going to do it. But but I was just like, please, I need to know the names of these people. I'm not going to beat them up. No, I want to do the opposite. I want to run far away from these people. Get me. And plus, if they live in my vicinity, like, I'm going to go to the gym maybe later. 
and I'm going to use weights that somebody else put their hands on. Are you going to wear a mask out in public? Exactly. Like, I need to know these things, man. And, like, do I wipe down my equipment like a normal human being? Yes. But I don't know who else doesn't. A lot of people don't. And, like, a lot of inconsiderate people out there. <laughs> it's just like, come on. So, like, I just would like to know. And that's it. So, like, the stuff with Wuhan, China, like, it's kind of terrifying. You see the imagery of, like, them literally blockading the highways in and out of that city where they call they're literally calling it ground zero because everybody's getting sick they don't have the they don't have like the actual hospitality of um of resources to accommodate the people so like now everybody's rapidly like it's accelerating of people getting sick um but the mortality rate isn't outrageous no it's not no most people have been cured, it seems like, or not cured necessarily, but kept alive. Yeah, especially in the United States. But of course, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a pandemic or epidemic or anything right now. But just like looking at it a little further, they say this thing's less deadly than MERS. It's less deadly than SARS, and they're all eventually, they're all a type of upper respiratory thing, and it, uh, they're going to treat you the same way that you would have like the flu. They'll drink. Drink lots of water, get lots of sleep. Chicken noodle soup and Sprite. And basically that's it. Um, and stay clean, wash your hands. And it's really in effect, and it's it's really an issue for, just like the flu, older folks, younger folks. Even though the studies that they've done so far, people so far that have had it. And there's been 110 cases in the U.S., 30 have come back negative, 70, many of them are still waiting on the results. So it could be just like a total of like four people, you know? We don't know. But the people that have been positive so far, just like overwhelmingly, are like 70% men ages 40 and over, which I think is interesting. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the heck the deal is there, but whatever. Uh, moving on from something that's terrifying, um, I got a question. Something that's been on Twitter lately, which I think is really intriguing, is start one, bench one, and cut one. And this time we're talking about Sooners and wide receivers. And because of the nature of this, I left out CeeDee Lamb because I think for a lot of people he'd be starting because he'd be number one, yeah. he's probably the best wide receiver skill set to ever come through the University of Oklahoma. Um, so instead I chose t- two of Oklahoma's own sons, Sterling Shepard, uh, Heritage Hall, you know, Ryan Broyles, uh, high side, Norman High. And then, of course, one of the favorites in the early 2000s, uh, Mark Clayton. Who you got? Start one, bench one, cut one. I'm going to start this off by saying that I I hate this debate so much. It's a constant... People sleep on Ryan Broyles so much. He's, He's almost sort of treated like Landry Jones. And it's upsetting. Because he was so damn good. I mean, he wasn't the biggest guy or necessarily the fastest guy, but he was a perfect route runner. He was a great jump ball guy, great at finding soft spots in the zone. He was phenomenal. Great playmaker. Did everything right. And when I say... So I, I will take either side of this debate. It... It's kind of a pick em thing here. But people get really mad when I say that I would take Broyles over Shep. And I get it. I get it. But, God. This is why I hate this debate. 
But as far as actual skill is concerned, I would start Mark Clayton wow. out of this group. And, and, yeah, just because he was so good after the catch. He was. He was great in the open field. And he was a very good jump ball guy, too, just like these guys were. He wasn't quite as good of a route runner as these other two were, but he was very good at it. I, I, I'd start Mark Clayton. And it's bench and cut are the other two, right? Yep. Wow, you bet. Are you really about to cut? Sterling Someone's Shepard? gonna. Yeah, people are gonna kill me over this, and and I and I get it. It's fine. But I'll I'll bench Broyles and I'll I'll cut Shep. I, I love Shep. Man. Yeah. Why do you hate Oklahoma? Why do you hate? Oh, Oklahoma? good grief! Why do you hate Oklahoma prospects? Hey, it may, maybe it's because I went to McGinnis and he's a heritage kid. So there we go. You hate Oklahoma prospects, and I'm gonna go yell at. Hey, Broyles is from Oklahoma. I'm gonna yell at you on my YouTube channel. Um. <laughs> You know, Uh-oh. I would start Shep. Okay. Because See, I'm not going to dog you for that. That's fine. You just cut him. I, I've explained why <laughs> this, this should not be so contentious. This oh. is why I hate this so much. I would start Sterling Shepard because... They're all wonderful. How about that? He... He's a dynamic playmaker, dynamic athlete, just like the other two, of course. Uh, he has, he had much more wiggle in him than Mark Clayton did. Mark Clayton was more, he wasn't, Mark Clayton wasn't a wiggle guy. No. Like him and Broyles were, like Shep and Broyles were. Um, he had way more straight line speed yes. than those guys did. And so Shep wasn't as fast as Broyles or Clayton, of course. Uh, that, and that was one of his knocks going into the draft. Um, route running is probably the best route runner, uh, one of the best route runners in Oklahoma football history. He, he ran the best, I think NFL combine was like historic route running, like grades, uh, that it's like, it's like, wow, this guy just kills people on routes and along, along the lines of his footwork. Um, he also had an, a massive amount of strength. Shep, Shep like was the bulkiest of those dudes. Yeah. He liked blocking. Uh, like you said, and like he high pointed the ball so well, uh, you you can just you can just see that catching the end zone against Tennessee. Um, you can see a couple of those clutch plays he's made. He's made so many clutch plays over the years. Um, whoever, regardless of whoever the quarterback was, and then honestly, so I'm going with the starting Sterling Shepard. Okay, uh, I think he's I think he's great, and I, I and. Uh, I'm going to bench Mark Clayton. Okay. He's one of the favorites, um, one of the most dynamic athletes. He also had an NFL career, too, yeah. albeit not that long. He he did all right. He was a first-round pick who didn't quite live up to that billing, but he still did well for himself. Yeah. And Clayton was not just fantastic. He's great. One of the elites. Uh, of Oklahoma wide receivers until you now you have CD Lamb and all you have all these other guys under Lincoln Riley, um, but I mean Clayton is Clayton like straight line speed finds holes in zones. The guy was a threat to take of the house every single time. He's just magnificent. I'm gonna cut Ryan Broyles. Um, I feel like to me, and like you said, might catch some hate for this. I feel like he. I think Ryan Broyles he has speed over Shepard. Not by much though. He wasn't that fast. I feel like Ryan Broyles is a Sterling Shepard light in terms of strength, in terms of route running ability. 
I think Sterling Shepard has the best hands out of this group. Um, and honestly, it's not to say this, but Ryan Broyles didn't really have an NFL career. And his, well, he got hurt, and he and of course his NCAA, he would have had an NFL. His career. NCAA career was cut short by injury. Uh, XFL decided to do the house thing, also family. Yeah. Uh, NFL. He will. He, he went to the Lions, but he got hurt again. Hurt again. So plagued by injury. Um, and so I mean, right now he's still playing in the NFL and having a successful NFL career. And it's certainly Shepard. And that's and that's the main thing for when people say CD Lamb, like, well, no, the best wide receiver in Oklahoma history is so and so. Like, well, hold it's up, CD Lamb. It's CD Lamb because a he may not have all the numbers. If he had a legitimate quarterback in his last year, he would have all the numbers. Um, the skill set, the skill set is unbelievable for him, and he's going to translate much better than Hollywood Brown. He's going to translate much better than D.D. Westbrook. He's going to translate much better than Sterling Shepard in the NFL. He's a first round pick, and he's a top fifteen guy. If he ends up in Arizona with Kyler, I'm going to cry. Oh yeah, going to be lovely. It's going to be stupid. Latest mock draft that I saw had him him replacing Larry Fitzgerald. Like, okay. Whoa. That would be great. Latest mock draft I saw had him going to the Jets and being Darnold's deep threat. Rip. Which I don't want that, but Rip in peace. Yeah. No, thank you. <laughs> That's I really I don't like does, Sam Darnold. I really hope he doesn't end up on the Jets. Oh, that'd be that would be terrible. It's a dumpster fire organization. It really is. Well yeah, man, that's that that was my question. I thought about it on the way home from work today. They're all lovely. Oh yeah, they're all fantastic. I hate series. this debate. I love it. I think it's fantastic. Hate it. But man, it's an hour and a half. I'd take Didi over all three of those guys. No, by you the way. wouldn't. Yeah, I would. Hundred percent. Because of how you. good he was in the open field. Uh, you would not take yeah, Didi West. Why? Did you see him? He had the best season in any OU. I wouldn't take him over CeeDee Lamb, obviously, but over the three we over, were talking Over about, these three. Over these three. No, 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 no. Yeah, I'd take him over okay. those three. I thought you meant like just in general. No, 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 no. No, not funny. over CeeDee. CeeDee's number one. The, I'm saying over the three that we were talking about. jump across the Didi. table. I was like, what the hell is wrong with you? Man, I don't even know about that one. I think so. What about Hollywood Brown? No. Okay. No, I wouldn't put him. He, no, he, he was... <sighs> he, there's so many elite ones over the past, like the D, but the DD and Sterling West, the Sterling debate is intriguing because as those, far as physical ability too, Malcolm those skill Kelly, sets are so different between Westbrook and Shep. Yeah, yeah, the skill sets are so different. Yeah, exactly. So I could see debates on both sides. Like, yeah, this Westbrook D's a flyer. D oh God. And then you saw Marquise Brown. He became Brown. a great playmaker too. Yeah. And then you saw Marquise Brown, who was even faster. <laughs> Maybe like four inches shorter, but still faster. Yeah. Man, that's intriguing. But man. no, I, no, for the, I would not take DD over CD. I was like, the hell's wrong. With but you? I would take DD over those other three. Not for, not for his OU career, but for mm-hmm. like just general. All right, talent. so add DD to the equation. Rank him one through four. Without CD. Without CD. Okay. CD would be number one. Everybody knows that. Okay. Just as far as skill, I'll go DD. Mark Clayton. Uh. Broyles and Shep. Wow. And, and see, dude, we, I just fucking said that. Why is that allowed? We've been talking about this for 30 fucking minutes. I don't give a shit about this, by the way. I hate this fucking debate. Give me... Sh- I'm still going Shep 1. Over Didi? Yes. Nuh-uh. Yes. Nuh-uh. 
Didi's calling card is this man has the Jets. It's kind of important. It is important, but longevity. Of we're not your, talking about longevity. Uh, we're just talking about sooner career. We're not talking about that either. We're talking about talent. So I'm just saying, in four years, Shep's still going to have his footwork. You know what Didi's not going to have? That's speed. We're not talking about longevity, though. Ugh. That wasn't the discussion. I'm still taking Shep 1, Clayton 2, Didi, and Broyles. 3-4. I like Didi. I know he was a Heisman candidate. I know he was the first to win the Belenikoff at OU, which is, like, really weird. He's, he had the best season of any OU wide receiver. Yeah, well, when you have that offensive line of course, yeah. blocking for of Baker course. Mayfield. And it's just, like, interesting. Hmm. What are your plans for this weekend? It's Super Bowl weekend, man. Going to um, going to the Bedlam game on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Going to be fun. That'd be a good one. Yeah. And then I'm going to tinker with my chili on Saturday. That's right. We talked about the chili. You're, you're Team No Beans. I'm Team No Beans. I'm Team decidedly. Beans. Um, and then going to work a little bit at the well on Sunday. Then hopefully get off early to take this chili to the competition. Last, and win. The last time I checked, the Chiefs were one-point favorites. Sounds about right. It's going to be crazy. San Francisco's run game is so good. And the last time I checked, over-under was 54.5. 54.5? Give me the over. Give me the over. I hate that line. Might as well just be even. Yeah. Yeah. What? I love Kansas City. I want them to win. What scares me... Defense is making enough plays, too. San Francisco's defensive line is terrifying. Yeah. And, you know, if you're getting... And if you've shown Patrick Mahomes pressure in the face early and often, it's not that great. And, but at the same time, like, what what is what is San Francisco's offense bringing to the table other than just being on the field a lot because the defense keeps them on the, op, on the field? Garoppolo's good. Not elite, but very good. Um, he has. I have his bobblehead at my house. I need to like break it before the Super Bowl yep. starts. I can't have that just sitting in my apartment. Who you taking, Chiefs? Um, yeah, I have to. I'll take. I. I want the Chiefs to win. I'll take the Chiefs. Okay. Uh, but anything else? Oh, one more question. Oh, I got it. Uh. The Bachelor. Okay. Do you watch The Bachelor? I've watched maybe one episode ever. I've been asked who my favorite contestant on The Bachelor is this season. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to have to go with Victoria. So is The Bachelor the one where the guy has to meet all the girls? Yes. Okay, and The Bachelor, of course. And all the, the girls have drama with each other. That's fantastic. It, it's pretty good. It makes for good TV. It is good TV. It, it's a little overproduced and, you know. It reminds me of, like, Rock of Love. I never watched Rock of Love. Or f- with Brett Michaels or Flavor of Love with Flavor of Flavor. I did watch Flavor of that Love. Was, that was fun. That, that was, was a, fun. That was a fun experiment. Um, yeah, Victoria, just because she seems to keep it the most real, seems to be the most genuine. Granted, that's probably just the role she's playing on the show. but It's possible. Anyway, she's... <laughs> Hannah Ann is my least favorite. Not a fan of Hannah Ann. 
I'll go Victoria. Sounds good. Yeah. Anything else? I think I've said my piece. I think I think I think I, we've said a lot today, man. Yeah. We are we are a long time running into People this. are gonna bitch at me about the broils thing, but whatever, I don't care. It's okay. Well guys, uh, you guys can go ahead and follow us on crimsonandcreammachine.com, which is brought to you guys by SB Nation. Follow Jack on Twitter at CC Machine or his personal account for maybe more views on The Bachelor at J Larry Shields. There's actually a lot more things on that. Um, I'm Came Robbie and CCM. You can follow Alan Kenny, who also drops fantastic podcasts, like I mentioned during this one. Go listen to that one. That one's really good. With Michael good. Felder from Michael Stadium, Felder. it was very good. Oh, it's so good. Um, He's got another article dropping this week about how Texas is incompetent as a football program, so keep your oh, eyes open for that one. I bet Ian Boyd will be oh, happy, yeah. happy for that Oh, yeah. Those two will have a slap fight on Twitter. <laughs> slap fight, yeah. But yeah, go ahead and follow us. Give us a five-star rating and review, guys. We really appreciate it. Thank you for all those, all of you guys that have been consistently doing that. And we're up to 89 reviews. Let's get to 100 by yeah. like February. Do it. Or soon, you know? So thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for keeping, tuning in, downloading everything. We really appreciate you guys, and we'll check you guys later.